Welcome to another hometown daily news show season two, episode 101 for April 11th, 2023. Tonight's episode is stop crashing trains. K. Thanks. Bye. And here's a quick rundown of the articles we're going to talk about tonight. We are going to talk about uh, Star Trek Picard's series finale, getting a special IMAX live screening. The namesake for our for our episode tonight is uh, Please Stop Crashing Trains So Much. Uh, agency responsible for safety regulation asks railroads to please stop crashing trains. Minis are going to get an intelligent personal assistant named Spike. Experts weigh in after a mystery creature is spotted in Texas. It's probably Joe. He's been out drinking. Ninth Circuit sends photo copyright case back to jury trial. South Korea finds Google $32 million. We're going to talk about five new Steam games because I think we missed it last week or maybe a couple of days ago. I don't know. A truck carrying toxic soil from East Palestine can't stay upright either. Carbon's laser weeding robot scores another $30 million. We talked about that uh, last year, I think it was. Twitter no longer exists as a company. It's merged into Musk's X Corporation, and Marowat called that. And a questionable $2,500 hoodie makes you look like you're plucked out of Minecraft, and Marowat thinks that it's cool. Ready to get into today's articles? Let's go. Hello, hello. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the AI from on high, the one and only AI. Good evening, hometown citizens. Yeah, it's a nice color. It matches our background again. Not I bad. I know, I like when bad. we're coordinated. We are. We we called each other up in the morning and said, "What are you wearing?" And then the AI said, "No, what are you wearing?" And I said, "Well, I'm a human being, so I'm wearing clothes. I have to hire somebody to do your graphic design so that you have representation here in the channel." And uh, so they said, "Okay, well, what's your background? Make it that." And ta-da! Here we are. Yeah. All right. So just so y'all know. I got a whole bunch of uh, thumbs up emojis and smiley emojis, but the AI didn't say anything. So just want to let you all know that everything's cool. A virtual thumbs up. Yeah, that's not a thumb that's pointing at me right now. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, here, let's get into the article. The very first article is Star Trek Picard, or what we like to say around hometown, Pickard. Series finale gets special IMAX live screening, and this is over at Variety.com. Paramount Plus and CBS Studios have announced an IMAX live screening opportunity for the final two episodes of the original series Star Trek Picard. A Variety can exclusively reveal. Not bad. So, uh, McKinley Franklin is the author of this uh, article, and again, it's over at Variety.com, and uh, I tend to just kind of punt people over to the actual article. So let me throw this into the uh, 
VOD. And if you're in chat or you're checking this out over on YouTube later on or the podcast, it'll be in the show notes. It's also in the show notes of the VOD, but um, you can listen to this real time or you can watch this later in the VODs and the VODs execute all of the commands, all of the things that go on in the chat and get thrown back into the VOD in real time. So you get to see the communication that takes place. At any rate, you can click the link in chat and it'll take you over to Omtown where you can uh, either read the little snippet, which is this little bit right here, or click on visit the source and you'll go straight over to there. We don't take any more, so this is all that uh, we acquire from the source. And uh, then you can go and read it, get the little more subtle nuance. Um, our value add really is just about talking about Picard. It's been pretty fun, hasn't it? Absolutely. Although I am sad that these are going to be the last two episodes. Yeah, that is a that's a bummer. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Picard because he is what did they call him? A golem, right? He's a, a, a golem. He's just a fake body that's aging. His real body died. Ah. <laughs> and so he's kind of like Data, but not Data because Data's body is forever, right? Ar arguably right. forever. He seems to have aged as well. So I think that might might have been kind of the... Uh, it's going to cost us a whole lot to regress everybody back to their original um, time frame, you know, everything. So they let everybody just age gracefully and and right. left it alone. <clears throat> but yeah, we're we're looking at the the last two episodes, right? That's right. Oh, and it looks like they're going to be tomorrow, or maybe you can sign up tomorrow. Yeah, I think you can sign up. Pardon me one second. I don't know what it is, but right before the show starts, my throat starts to go away. Anyway, tickets to the screenings are free and fans can sign up and register at the Star Trek Picard Final Screenings.com website on Wednesday, April 12th at 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. Eastern. And the screen, the exclusive screening event will take place at 10 participating IMAX theaters in Los Angeles, New York, Phoenix, San Francisco, Seattle, Orlando, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, and Dallas. So if you're not in those areas, you're going to have to trek. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe voyage. <laughs> and and maybe... if, you're, if you're in L.A., you have to sign up because you'll get a live Q&A with um, Patrick Stewart and others from the show. That's pretty cool. So there's a little bit more information. I'd say a lot more information over at uh, the variety.com site. So definitely follow the link and head on over there. Let's just hustle on to the next. We have 11 articles and um, not a whole lot of time to rush through them. I, I say um, this next one is in the mobile channel and which is kind of the opposite of what's been going on with trains. They're not very mobile. Um, please stop crashing trains so much. Agency responsible for safety regulation asks railroads amidst rising scrutiny over freight rail safety practices, particularly the length and makeup of trains. 
A common question raised by the uh, media has been why regulators didn't prevent this kind of dangerous corporate practice before disaster struck. Seemingly in response to that question, the Federal Railroad Administration, which regulates freight rail safety, issued an advisory last week that essentially asked railroads to please make trains safer. The idea really is that government will step back from being kind of antagonizing to business because greater oversight, greater regulation, greater everything means that it's going to be more expensive. And well, as we can see, it doesn't really matter because shortcuts will be taken in an effort to increase margin and make profit, even at the cost of humans and the environment. Hey, that's right. I mean, I'd rather have a little bit of expense without environmental disasters and you know, catastrophes, etc. Yeah, so the advisory comes after a series of articles published by mainstream news outlets in uh, recent weeks confirming what Motherboard has been reporting for more than two years. Industry-wide co cost-cutting has made freight dangerous. Um, this article is over at uh, vice.com, Motherboard Tech by Vice. Uh, I, I'm, I wish that they would streamline how they present this information. <laughs> um because it's kind of a mishmash of branding um is it tech by vice or is it motherboard or is it vice.com or anyway aaron gordon is the author of this article and here's a whole bunch of uh train the, these are wheels but what do they call them carriers or there's a particular word for carriages i think this is called carriage um anyway here are some more just kind of sleeping on the side of the road. That, that's what they do when they're when they're tired. They just kind of flop over like that other train engine. Anyway, we've been covering these trains for the last year and a half, uh, roughly a year and a little over a quarter. And I can say that it, it feels like we are more aware than ever of the number of trains that are kind of flopping over onto their sides. But I can tell you based on the data, we haven't even touched the surface of what actually is happening. There are, there were 20, over 2,200, I think it was last year alone or. Right. And have we really paid attention to anything before East Palestine? Probably not. Palestine. Palestine. Um, yeah. So. It's weird. The advisory cites six such derailments from three different companies dating back almost two years. East Palestine, uh, which was caused by an overheated axle, is not on the list, although the National Transportation Safety Board has not yet released a full report on uh, all the contributing factors. The first back in 2021 was a Union Pacific train derailed in Sibley, Iowa, it also featured a large hazardous materials release that forced the town to evacuate for three days. I'm not sure how many people were made aware of that, um, but pardon me, got something in my We were a little now. busy on that date, I think. That was right in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, right. Yeah, I think there were other priorities, but probably not for the people of Sibley, Iowa right um shared 10 characteristics including 125 or more cars and having a locomotive in the middle of the train to add power which is called the distributed power unit or dpu they generally make it easier to control the train but 
They should not be considered a replacement for proper trained car placement and makeup. I think the problem there would be that if something fails between one engine and another, you end up pushing all of the trouble together and exacerbating it, I would think. Uh, but, you know, I am not a train engineer. Um, the advisory stopped short of doing anything other than, well, advising. So the rest of this article goes into greater detail about all of this. Um, but suffice it to say that in an effort to increase profit, instead of everybody being happy with a perpetual, I don't know, 10% and markup so that the cost of providing services increases with inflation, they they get the juice and then they squeeze harder. Um, oh, and so that's called a wheel set, huh? Okay. You'd think that it would be a little less obvious that it's a set of wheels, so let's call it a wheel set. Oh, it looks like <laughs> exactly. a set of wheels. It's not necessarily it. the best name ever, and it might be called something else, but that's what I located. Huh. What should we call it? Uh, oh, a wheel set. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Huh. All right. All right. Well, anyway, let's move on to the next article. We can only, I'm now drive that down the track so far. So the next article is um, about minis. So I really dig minis. Um, mini, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you want to donate a couple of minis to hometown, I would not um, say, I wouldn't say no. Um, I might even do, <laughs> I may even do the news uh, while I'm driving around in one. Um, so if you want to do, uh, you know, there's coffee in cars. That's right. I think we could do the news in cars and it would be a mini. Um, but uh, all wheel drive, please. Uh, we have all four seasons in hometown and maybe five or six season depending on which level of hell you want to call it absolutely freezing and boiling surface fake, of the sun fake spring things like that <laughs> <laughs> pseudo spring fake winter <laughs> that's true threats of snow that never arrive hometown itself though hometown the is perfect hometown.com has a perfect environment where everybody is happy all the time anyway mini cars are getting an intelligent personal assistant named spike mini the british car brand owned by german automaker bmw has announced a new intelligent personal assistant called spike based on the english bulldog that appeared in uh, some past mini ads spike will make his first major appearance at the shanghai auto show later this month where he'll be integrated into the cockpit of the mini concept aceman nice um we can't help but agree with jalopnik which points out that the whole announcement is very microsoft clippy vibes or maybe lg's bean bird so if this actually becomes clippy i will never mind i'll wait <laughs> let's just wait and see because i haven't actually seen it um but anything that smacks of clippy is going to get smacked right out right out of hometown no clippy clippy is not allowed in hometown let's go look at the article 
Oh, please tell me that that's not. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Is it clippy? Uh, oh, no. But it's... Uh, no. Anyway, those who are listening to the podcast, I'm afraid to tell you that all those no's are my honest reaction to what is immediately being presented in front of me as the spike personal assistant. Anyway, before I get too far into this, this article's over at theverge.com by John Porter. And it says spike, the English bulldog will appear in the company's concept Aceman at the Shanghai auto show before rolling out to future mini production vehicles. Again, it's John Porter who wrote this. I'm going to mash this button and mute it real fast. But if that's what's sitting on my dash. Yeah, that's just not. Okay, so what this is, is a cylindrical LCD panel sitting where the center console would be for a regular mini, except in the concept, it is edge to edge with a very small bezel. Um, and it, it's a full color and it has like, how do you, what would you call that? Like a balloon, whoa, whoa. It actually oh is walking God. across the dash. <laughs> that was pretty cool. But I was thinking it reminds me of like a Pokemon game because it was pretty frenetic. But I did yeah. like it leaving across the dash. That was pretty. So neat. it's weird because it like walked across the dash. If that's an effect that it actually has, it looks like it does. But what the thing looks like is kind of like a balloon animal dog. And but with no knots, it, it's just kind of squinched in certain places. It looks like a chibi dog. Right. And, I uh, mean, it's basically like a cartoon boisterous dog, dog right? Yeah, it's, but it's weird. It, it, it's not like you would think is an English bulldog. It doesn't look like a bulldog to me. Not even close. It just looks like a caricature of an English bulldog, which probably is punting this as a sponsor. But just letting you know. These are my thoughts. So much for the minis in hometown. <laughs> yeah. I, off to Beanbird, I guess. Hello, LG. Just kidding. I probably wouldn't like that as a... As a... Whatever. What do you... What are they even called? What are they? Personal assistant. Per, it's a personal assistant, but what what, what are these mascot? little... Mascot. Mascot, yeah. I would have to smack that right off my dash. Anyway, I don't know, but I'm not the kind of person that does that kind of stuff anyway, you know, like get all connected with, uh, with a mascot like that, you know, a real dog. Sure. Real cat. Sure. Giraffe. Awesome. But <laughs> particularly if it's miniature. Yeah. Like that like commercial, commercial with the Russian guy yeah, <laughs> the, where everything is gold. So if this thing smacks of Clippy, I'm going to smack it right off my dash. Uh, it's just, that's just not a, uh, I don't know. It's the whole thing apparently looks like it can run across the entirety of the dash. And it has a, 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 a screen that goes from one side of the car to the other, but it's integrated into the dashboard itself. Quite fascinating. I don't know if it's a projection and there's a little camera or a little projector in the ceiling or what, um, but it, it's pretty cool looks a little washed out when it runs off but yeah i i hope that it isn't 
that, that, like that. Leave it in the concept stage, folks. Give us something a little bit more approachable for the common <laughs> person. Anyway, um, let's move on, unless you have something else that you want to add about it. I don't think I have anything else to add on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so the next article is in the Daily News Show. Experts weigh in after mystery creature spotted in Texas. And like I said, it's probably Joe. He was drinking last night. So uh, many social media users theorized as to what the animal spotted at a national park could be. I said it's Joe. Um, suggesting wolverines and even a uh, cross between two species. And I'm going to hit play on this. It's already muted. Um, and, and that's what it is right there. Uh, I'm just going to rewind it a couple of times. If I hit pause, it throws that little continue on there. Um, which is really annoying, but there you go. Okay, I have no idea what that is. Right? Um, okay, Robin White over at Newsweek.com put this article together. And um, it looks like it's one of those, um, what are they called? Um, it's like a, a camera that gets put up on a game camera. It's a game camera. Oh, right, right. That gets put up on a tree and it captured something. And it looks like it's a cross between maybe a wild boar and what do you think that front looks like? Something out of Resident Evil. I mean, it just doesn't. <laughs> I just, I can't connect it with anything. Um. Right? It's weird yeah it looks honestly i mean it looks like it could be a wolf boar hybrid because it doesn't look like anything and but the experts um so robin white went through all of the trouble of putting this article together and uh, talked to some experts apparently and they're saying that this thing is a what now they said it's an american badger which I don't think I've ever seen in person, but I didn't know that's what they look like. Yeah, so a game camera captured a strange creature roaming the Rio Grande Valley um, State Park in Texas, leading to speculation as to what the animal could be. Scientists believed it is an, uh, an American badger. Badgers, we don't need no stinking badgers. Um, though some Facebook users had more creative ideas. That, I mean, it looks Wolverine-ish, maybe, but I don't know. That's a really chonky Wolverine. I don't think that they get that thick vertically. They get wide, but I didn't think that they get thick like that. I mean, that's pretty monstrous. Anyway, um, it says, we agree with most of the comments that this is very likely an American badger, not to be confused with the honey badger that lives in Africa and Asia. Asia and is rumored to not care very much because honey badgers don't care anyway um it says american honey badgers <clears throat> strike that american badgers walk on all four limbs like the creature can be seen doing in the photograph the species is known for being bad tempered when they are provoked they will hiss and growl and american badgers are nocturnal meaning that they ever only roam at night um and apparently it's yeah I don't know pretty thick 
Okay, but, so that's interesting because I was thinking to myself when I first saw it, it looked like a capybara, but I thought it's not in the right geographic area to even remotely be that, and I didn't say it, and that was mentioned in the article. But the other thing is, I looked up a picture of a badger and a wolverine, and I don't see it for either of them. <laughs> but right? I suppose they're closer than other things, of course. Now, now look up wild boar. And... And now what you'll see when you go wild boar, it looks like the body is a wild boar, but then right, the but head, the face. yeah, the head is like, I all of Dr. Moreau, somebody stuck a wolf on it. Exactly. The, the head doesn't look like any of those animals to me. I mean, we can't see it very clearly in this photo, but yeah. Is there an experimental lab nearby? Because it looks like this, like it has a badger tail. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm creeped out. Okay, we can't spend all night looking at this. I'll have nightmares. Not really. So let's move on. Let's hustle on to the next article. This one will be an interesting conversation because um, this is in the Right Protect channel, which is all about copyright, trademarks, patents, intellectual property. It's one of the elements that um, we use here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How do I say that? I don't know. I work with the AI uh, quite a bit with uh, intellectual property, um, discussing intellectual property. And so um, I spun up Right Protect because I wanted to discuss this with everybody else and um, uh, kind of attract some conversation regarding it. And I know that there's a lot of people out there on the internet that have an opinion on what copyright is, what trademark is, what patent is, but, and a whole lot of attorneys are out there um, that do the same, but don't necessarily have a venue or want a venue to talk regularly and publicly about it. Um, so I, am, I wanna be that conduit. I wanna talk about intellectual property rights discussing particularly copyright trademark patents, um, which is pretty much darn near the breadth of intellectual property law. So last week, oh, sorry, the title of this is Ninth Circuit Sends Photo Copyright Case Back to Jury Trial. It says here that last week, the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit issued a ruling in a copyright dispute between Erickson Productions and Craig Cast ultimately reversing and remanding the case back to the district court for a jury trial. The appeals court ruled that the district court erred by not conducting a jury trial after a first appeal by cast. Uh, don't, shouldn't you have to request that a jury trial? It doesn't spontaneously occur. You could have I a bench trial or you could do a jury trial. I don't know what the for that in that um, jurisdiction. I don't know. So the case began when Jim Erickson of Erickson Production accused Cast of the unauthorized use of three copyrighted photos on his developmental website. The case was heard before a jury in the United States District Court for the Northern District of California. So, okay. Uh, which awarded Erickson $450,000 in damages after finding that Cast willfully infringed on the copyright. What? That's insane. Alec Pronk um, over at IPWatchdog.com put this article together. And uh, I'm really curious. So 
I'm not following it procedurally because they did have a jury trial. Yeah. It says, however, this ruling was entered without being heard before a jury. So I don't understand. It said it. Okay. It said that there was a jury trial. Cast appealed to the Ninth Circuit, and in 2019, the appeals court remanded the case on two issues, the willfulness of the infringement and the amount of awarded damages. The Ninth Circuit vacated the willfulness ruling due to an error in the jury instructions. That's. I just figured it out. When it was remanded the first time, it wasn't held as a jury, by a jury trial and okay. so then it got appealed again that was what was confusing but it was originally a jury trial then it got appealed but there wasn't a jury appeal it was just right when bench. it was remanded they didn't hold it before a jury so they should have given it a jury trial the second time around seems like a double jeopardy thing you know i mean you're hearing the same evidence in a jury trial of appeal and i wonder if anybody brought it up i mean it just it's, it's very odd so interesting um subsequently the district court once again ruled that the infringement was willful and awarded erickson four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in damages but that was the court itself not at the jury right? right so it was heard before uh without being heard by a jury so i suppose if that's how it is then that's how it is but i figured that you would have to say i want it heard by a jury I think it's really interesting because the reason for the remand was because there was an issue or an error in the jury instructions. So on remand, they're like, let's skip the jury. <laughs> and we don't know what happened, but that's what it looks like. <laughs> uh, so it, it seems kind of willful of the court. <laughs> uh, right. Hey, I mean, we don't the know. The instructions but were the problem. <laughs> yeah. The, the, we didn't solve the problem, but we solved the problem. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's we bypassed the problem. So, okay, um, let's see. Citing previous ruling that ruled that the Seventh Amendment can be waived, but who waived it? Um, you either waive the right or you invoke it, but you don't do both. You you kind of fail one way or the other. So if you don't say, I don't want a jury trial, you go jury trial. So who made the decision that it didn't need to be seen or heard by a jury? It's weird. The appeals court found it unconvincing. A precedent also states that a jury trial is a fundamental right. So a court should indulge every reasonable presumption against waiver, but you would have to claim the waiver. So I don't understand why that would happen. I figure, I think, um, but I'm, I'm more curious about the actual case because I want to know about the original trial. So I'm going to have to pull this up and see if I can find some more information about this um, because this was the use of photographs in a developmental site. So felt, wait, no, no. In its ruling, the Ninth Circuit cited Feltner v. Columbia Pictures Television where which held that the Seventh Amendment affirms the right to a jury trial where the copyright owner elects to recover statutory damages. Huh. So, yeah, I mean, the, it seems like it was just arbitrarily decided to not use a jury when you really should fail to it instead right. of waive it. Right. Interesting. So now I'm really curious about the actual case. 
um, because this is a procedural issue where the court decided of its own accord to not have a jury. But I want to know right. how it landed there. And it sounds like it's a pretty interesting um, backstory. Yeah. It might be worth additional reading. Yeah, we'll come back to this. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Okay, so let's uh, put this next article up for discussion. And uh, this one is uh, in the Late Night Geeks channel. It's all about gaming gadgets and technology late, 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 late at night, even when the AI is yawning. South Korea finds Google $32 million for blocking developers from releasing games on rival platform. Now, there's a whole lot in this article for some reason, and I, the gatherer normally does not do this. So um, some of this may disappear um, if you go over and uh, read this article. But at any rate, on Tuesday, the KFTC said that Google allegedly required Korean video game companies to exclusively release their new games in the Play Store from June 2016 to April 2018. That means Google banned the local game makers from releasing their content on one store in return for offering Google's in-app exposure and further support for global expansion. One store, a local peer of uh, Google's Play Store, was founded in June 2016 by South Korea's three telcos, SK Telecom, KT, and LG U+, and internet giant Naver. Google's local market share in the mobile Android app market increased to approximately 90% to 95% in 2018, up from 80 to 85% in 2016. So their monopolistic practices in that region basically led to them having even more market dominance. You know, so, what I don't really get is, I think, isn't this the same type of thing we see in other countries? I'm not saying that makes it okay, but haven't we had a similar discussion with, say, Apple and, I think, Google? No. No? No. Um, it's pretty typical that you can, unless you are working with a company and they pay you to have a exclusivity and they pay you they they don't just say hey you're not allowed to use the apple store like apple will allow you to publish to the play store all you have to do is apply that code to the play store or any other mobile app store and when you submit it to the apple store you're following you're abiding by their rules which is you can't have any malware you can't do this you can't do that it has to be in this shape and form and user experience is typically aligned with particular programmatic uh, requirements um, but by no means does apple say you cannot publish it anywhere else pretty simple but let's say um, Apple itself goes to a developer and says, hey, we'll pay you $500,000 and we want exclusive distribution of your product. We'll put it on the Apple store. You'll get paid back after we get paid back, right? The $500,000. And we have the rights to control where this app is distributed for two years, let's say, maybe five years, whatever the terms are, if the developer agrees that 
is wholly different than what this implication is, which is South Korean developers went to Google to publish their app and were told you're not allowed to publish it anywhere else, including the um, one store, which is the local conglomerate solution providing resistance to whole takeover of the market by Google. So it, this seems like it's pretty straightforward and anti antitrust issue and true to form. They actually use that word. Korea's antitrust watchdog said the move is part of an effort to ensure fair competition in the app market by preventing the U S tech giant from abusing its dominant position. Um, I like how they throw in U S tech giant as if a global conglomerate business is really housed entirely within the United States. Right. Anyway, Google Play in one huh? I was gonna say, why don't we see this come up in other countries? I mean, is there anything unique to the South Korean market other than mm. somebody complained about it? No, not particularly, I don't think. I mean, there may be that they have a direct competitive store that provides um, Android apps right? The one store. Whereas here we're rather balkanized. There's the Google play store. There are no other competitors that are well known in the United States other than the Google Android store and play store. Um, and Apple does its own thing as a silo, as a value add to its own hardware. So I have no problem with, um, Apple doing that particular vertical, um, because it's the only one that develops any of its hardware. And so it has a store that's offered to those in the ecosystem versus what's going on with Android in the Google store, which is anybody can take Android, stick it on hardware that's compatible and then attach to the Google play store. But there are other Android stores that you can attach to, to get software. You can even sideload in and avoid other stores that are already in existence. You can basically jailbreak it. Um, it's it's a different dynamic um, because there are so many other developers out there um, beyond what Apple does in its vertical. You know, anybody, like I said, anybody around the world can take Android and stick it on some hardware and suddenly you're an Android um, developer. Um, anyway, I think it's interesting. It, it says here that uh, Google's activity affected the gaming companies from large video game makers like NCSoft Netmarble and Nexon to small and mid-sized game developers, uh, the KFTC said. Well, Nexon's getting some pretty bad blood right now for going after a small developer, indie dev. Um, but anyway, um, heavy-handed, I suppose, uh, Google apparently was. But obviously that's part of a story and not necessarily all of it. Context really matters, but it's taken six years for it to come to resolve. Kind of fascinating, right? That it's taken this long. Yeah, it seems like that's a long time for damages to be racking up. Like what took it so long to get uh, moving, etc. Yeah, so um, Kate Park over at TechCrunch.com put the article together. 
And uh, again, it's South Korea fines Google $32 million for blocking developers from releasing games on rival platforms. This is, it's really fascinating that this persisted for that long and nobody seems to have it. Well, you know, it may not be on my radar. I mean, I work with developers, but I've never heard of this until now. So maybe I just didn't have my ear to the ground like I normally do. Well, and I'm wondering if there's something, um, for instance, like, does it take a long time for a complaint to work its way through the KFTC? I mean, I don't know. This just seems like a really long period of time for this to be happening. Yeah, I guess if it's overseas, then maybe I, it just didn't show up on my radar that easily. Um, but I find it interesting that these are some pretty big companies that are all battling about this. And this is a nationalized um, store, right? This is created by the country to combat right. the monopolistic so. tendency of of uh, a mega corporation owning an entire sector exactly so is this gonna i mean i think this might have some legs if the allegations are true yeah well they find it so maybe they're going to be able to go um and appeal it but Google claims it has contributed to the growth and successful global expansion of the Korean mobile uh, game developers that have launched their games on play over the last decade. And I'm sure, particularly if the only store that they're allowed to launch on for three years is the Google Play Store, that's going to contribute to a lot of expansion because you either capitulate or you're dead in the water. So I think... Um, this is something that we'll watch and see what happens. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty fascinating. And I'm also, I mean, I always find it interesting when somebody like Google is subject to one of these because they have such a large presence and, you know, what will this impact down the road? Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to watch what actually shakes out from this. Um, so overall, this says uh, South Korea's Fair Trade Commission has fined Alphabet's Google 42.1 billion won or 32 million U.S. dollars for blocking developers from releasing mobile video games on a Korean competitor platform called One Store. I guess it became the number two store. Um, the next article is already over in the chat, and it's five new Steam games you probably missed for April 10th, 2023. That's the week of April 10th, and uh, it's over at PC Gamer, and I'll go through them really fast. Sean Prescott put it together. It says sorting through every new game on Steam, so you don't have to. Um, there's The Aching, and that dropped on April 6th, and it's uh, $7.50. Again, I'm going to hustle through this. Um, oh, my goodness. I guess I'm not going to hustle through this. Talk about it. <laughs> I want to hear the pronunciation for this Verbal one. landmine here. Uh, Kuzlevka, I guess. Watch it. It's pronounced entirely different. Anyway, it's 18 bucks. Um, and it says that it's uh, set in uh, early 1990s Russia in the wake of the Soviet Union's collapse. I don't think that's the actual game, is it? No. Um there, that video is up here, and it has a nuclear bomb or something like that exploding. I mean, it has a mushroom cloud, but 
it could just be a regular um, explosion. Um, anyway, it's a, they say that it's a bizarre-looking game between shaping the aliens' impressions of humankind. You'll try to learn more about them while occasionally exploring a dreamed version of Kijlevka. No idea. Blocky Dungeon, we already talked about that. Um, oddly enough, I thought that it was actually introduced to me by PC Gamer, maybe as a standalone thing. Um, I ended up buying this, and it's a lot of fun. I, I don't know. I, it has replayability, just unlimited replayability, if you're into taking Tetris and um, it dating a dungeon crawler. And, and the outcome is this blocky dungeon. It's a lot of fun. I really dig it. I think, and I think we had an article specifically about this game release. Yeah, I think so. And I think it, yeah, like I said, I think it came from PC Gamer. So I'm definitely on my radar. Then Hyperviolent. It's a $13.50 game. It's a boomer shooter for haters of regenerating health and 3D enemy models. I won't even play this video. Um, but you can go and check it out. It's over on Steam in early access. Um, looks like it's going to be $13.50. Um, yeah. And Wall World, which is very well known right now. So I don't know if uh, these five really do account for, you know, probably missed because Wall World is extremely popular. Um, based on a video that I saw today about Wall World, um, Co Carnage is in this. That doesn't really mean much to the AI, but to people who are. Well, that's kind of a big deal. Um, does he play a character in this? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, does some voiceover. He does voiceover work in several games. Um, but I don't know if that's true. I'll have to go and watch this uh, video entirely to see. Um, anyway, it's a giant bug is your base and uh, from which you'll occasionally disembark to spelunk through the wall itself. Uh, all the better to secure pre uh, pre yeah, precious materials and upgrades. If all this sounds blissfully stress-free, then think again, because over the course of there's baddies that come after you, and eventually there are bosses. Um, at least one boss. I haven't played this all that much. I've seen um, some videos of it, and um, you basically just kind of walk up a wall. It's this massive wall, and there are some weak spots in the wall, and you punch a hole into it, and you dig around inside the wall. And uh, then you run back out because your base is getting attacked and you're, it's basically a bug crawler that slowly creeps up a wall. Seems fun. A little too slow for my taste. Um, but that's just me and uh, it takes a village. So let's move this village on to the next article. And um, this one is over in the Daily News Show. Even the trucks that are carrying toxic soil from East Palestine decide that they too want to lay on their sides. And there's a video of this. The title is actually truck carrying toxic soil from East Palestine overturns. And there's a video. So let's go straight over to um, Newsweek. That's where this is housed. And Alex Phillips is the author of this. Um, this is not um, the 
the video of the truck overturning. I don't think this. I think I recall this being from from the uh, original when it actually derailed. derailed. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the hell that they started going through, and it still hasn't ended. Um, that said. A truck carrying 40,000 pounds of soil contaminated with toxic chemicals from the train derailment near East Palestine, Ohio, crashed on Monday evening while en route to a disposal site. I'm telling you, like, th is mean, the ground cursed? What is going on? Statistically, so in, this shouldn't have crashed after <laughs> the train crash. In a statement, the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency said that roughly half of the tractor trailer's load had spilled onto the road and into a nearby ditch and probably into the river um, because everything seems to be getting dumped into the river, um, which runs, including the trains. Like, the trains just have this affinity for taking a bath. That's right. We were talking about that, I think, yesterday. I said that they were sleepy. The AI suggested that they wanted to go for a swim. Anyway, the aftermath of the crash was captured on video and posted to Twitter. I'm going to scroll down and see. Is That's not it. Is the video actually here? I don't see it. It's not popping up. There's a whole lot more to this article. Um, but really, the nuts and bolts of this is that they're trying to take the toxic soil and distribute it liberally, apparently, around... Uh, any state that's willing to take it in to um, try to remediate, right? Is that they want to recondition the soil right. to remove the toxic chemicals. Um, but that just leaves you with concentrated toxic whatever somewhere and then some maybe okay soil. So you literally just have to distribute it all over the place so that it doesn't, um, I, I don't know, fire off sensors constantly. Um, like a walking into a room that has a motion sensor that you can't turn off and every time you move it beeps that's what the ground is doing around East Palestine and now mm -hmm. they're taking it in the dead of night and moving it to places and in some cases without notification or authority and dumping it and then they get caught and they go oh, oh, oh my bad you don't want our mistake oh okay sorry about that yeah um, I mean this looks like it crashed kind of locally to the train crash site, but I yeah. wonder where it was ultimately headed. Yeah, it says that it was going toward Beloy. The aftermath of the crash was captured on video and posted to Twitter, and there's actually a link, uh, but actually that link doesn't take you to the video. I'm gonna keep looking, let's see if it's there. Um, yeah, really the article ends up talking about the the train crash itself not about that incident um until the very end of it where it says that the epa noted that it was a single vehicle incident adding that the soil sampling had been undertaken uh, at the crash site last night under the supervision of the epa coordinator the results of which will be will inform if additional containment measures are needed and what those will be but these are also the same people that apparently said that East Palestine was fine. You can all just go playing in your backyard again. And I think that's kind of batshit crazy. Um, so the scene shows that the truck tipped on its side near Cobbler's Ranch, a shoe repair shop along the route, approximately two minute drive from Unity with soil dumped along the road behind it. 
Um, another similar truck is stopped behind it and ambulances are also visible on the scene. So who knows what happened to the driver? Um, they sustained minor injuries, but what actually caused this incident? Well, right. I mean, when you have a single vehicle accident, um, that's always interesting. Yeah. What actually happened that caused it? So anyway, um, let's move on because we don't really know enough about this and the video isn't actually there. So maybe I can find it another time. Um, and by the way, there is a link from within the article. Uh, the word footage is hyperlinked, it looks like. Yeah, I saw that, but is that... I didn't try it, though. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to link me to. So, And I don't typically follow those links. So um, if you um, are listening to this, then uh, click on the show note that is going to read something similar to... Um, even trucks don't want to carry East Palestine dirt. Okay, so we'll move on to the next article. And this one is really cool. Carbon's laser weeding robots score another $30 million. This is something that I talked about in a previous episode. I'm not sure if the AI was activated during it, um, but I've always been really interested in this. It's an alternative way of weeding and it's almost automated. Um, they said if they're an investor hoping to determine where robots goes next after log logistics, um, they're thinking at three different categories, construction, healthcare, and agriculture are all are still in their relative infancy and poised for, in the author's opinion, explosive growth. I don't know. I think it's laser focused growth, but I, I, think I it's kind of in the weeds. Oh man. The AI is out of control. Ag tech robotics is going to be an especially interesting category over the next couple of years, given how loudly and aggressively John Deere has entered the category with a startup shopping spree. This is what I really despise um, because mega corporations throw a bunch of money. They see that the organization, the business um, is hungry for money because that's what a startup is and you throw enough money let's say you throw them five years of expected growth based revenue at them you know anybody that has more than one idea in their uh, quiver they're going to chomp at that and and go okay fine and then i'll stay with you for two years and then i'll bow out as no longer being ceo you own everything that you know it's a work for hire kind of thing aqua hire as it's called so now these startups are wholly owned by the mega corporation and zero competition so that the price is going to be through the freaking roof and they recover their money within seven years of the initial purchase which they're making money on top of that anyway but they're going to make their five-year deposit in the you know startup coffers they're going to make it back even sooner. So well, anyway. And also, in addition to the monetary impact, aren't they ultimately losing the very innovation that led to this company's formation and the product? Yeah. I mean, the, the people that found it get a whole massive amount of money and can work on another project. But John Deere is getting all of that 
IP, all of that tech and all of that market. And because there isn't anybody competing and nor can they because they get bought out because they need money more than they need to sit for 20 years and build another competitor to John Deere, you end up losing innovation as a competitive force. All it does is get scooped up by the, you know, trillion dollar business and integrated into their offerings at a high price. Anyway, it says also much like fulfillment and logistics, farms have their own unique set of labor issues at the moment. The average age of an American farmer is in the mid fifties and the life of a migrant worker is a difficult one with numerous health and safety risks. Meanwhile, you know, oh, I'm sure there are a lot of Americans that are born native to America that are really chomping at the bit to go and bend over in a field forever. You know, immigrants that work in the fields and are willing to go through all of that pain and suffering, they deserve compensation much more than what they're in respect, much more than what they're getting. So without a doubt, um, I, I think that they need greater attention and not in the negative sense, because you're not going to get a bunch of high school people going, you know what I want to do? I want to go and pick strawberries. I want to go and plow fields. Um, anyway, enough soapboxing there. What's really cool here is robo uh, carbon robotics, which first crossed uh, their radar. This, um, this is over at TechCrunch uh, back in April of 2021. It's uh, one of several firms competing for a place on the farm. The company has found some early success with its laser weeding robots. So let's jump over to the site. Um, Brian Heater is the author, and um, the uh, the article's over on TechCrunch. But basically, what what's going on is Carbon Robotics has this laser that. <laughs> for lack of another phrase, walks through your field and zaps weeds with a laser. Pretty cool. So this morning, the Seattle-based firm announced $30 million in Series C. That follows a 2021B round of $27 million, bringing its total uh, to-date raise up to $67 million. Sozo Ventures led the round, which also features Anthos Capital, Fuse Venture Capital, Ignition Partners, Liquid2, and Voyager Capital. Um, okay, so you know what I like about this is it's not a pesticide. And that's why I was really interested in this. Um, let me hit play and I'm going to mute this and let's see if they actually get to the business of showing you the weeding. Oh, it just did it right there. Hold on. So basically it has optics looking down at the plants and as it walks through the field, it zaps things that it says are weeds. And because it vaporizes them, they don't grow back. And it's probably very targeted. So that's good too. So you're not destroying legitimate plants, I'm assuming. Correct. And because you don't need to spray herbicides, you're not, you're getting a cleaner product. Now, this is all great and fine. Um, I would prefer vertical farms and controlling 
all of that to begin with, eliminating weeds, but you're not going to get this volume uh, in a vertical farm. You, you may get greater density, but you'll need more vertical farms. Um, because this is basically being powered by the sun. The laser isn't, but <laughs> um, the uh, the farm is. So I think it's really interesting. I think this could be the future uh, when you can no longer afford to generate herbicides. What better than just to fire a bunch of light? And if you can do it faster and faster, which competition would breed this faster and faster, um, you may be able to do uh, de-weeding faster, you know? I think it's pretty right. cool. Um, I don't know if they say they don't, they definitely don't say the price, um, but it can't be cheap. <laughs> it doesn't look cheap. Assuming you get that whole vehicle as part of that. Yeah, but these mega farms, they, farms that are that size, yeah, they, they have equipment that's like a quarter of a million dollars, two million dollars. Um, that's why your lettuce is, you know, five times the cost now. So let's keep on hustling. We got a little bit longer to go. Um, two more articles. Here's one that I predicted um, before Musk uh, even purchased uh, Twitter. Twitter no longer exists as a company as it merges into Musk's X-Corp. Um, Musk has this really big fascination with the letter X. Yes, um, apparently. So last month, Twitter CEO Elon Musk told employees they'd be eligible to receive stocks in X-Corporation, the new name for the holding company that he initially set up to purchase Twitter, telling them that soon Twitter could be worth $250 billion. More recently, an April court filing shows that Twitter Incorporated has, emer has officially merged with X-Corp, achieving Musk's goal of wiping out Twitter Incorporated as a company. The court filing confirmed that Twitter Inc. no longer exists. Now there is only X-Corp. So this article is by Ashley Bellinger over at ArsTechnica.com, and it says the company change may be... Musk's next step to launch X, the everything app, which is what I believe is Musk's um, attempt to form the uh, social credit app, WhatsApp here in the States that is being used primarily in, China. well, it's being used as the vehicle for social credit in China. Um, and uh, I've been saying this uh, since I learned about this, I do not want Musk and his fever dream deciding social credit and personal relevance in the modern age based on one bullshit app. I, I will never accept that in my life. Um, so Musk or X Musk cryptically tweeted after the news of the merger broke Musk's lawyer, Jonathan Patchen, um, didn't immediately respond to ours's request for comment. Uh, the tweet so far is his only public announcement regarding this change. It remains unclear what the change ultimately means. Some speculate that Twitter becoming X Corp is the next step in Musk's plan to launch an everything app like China's WeChat. Sorry, not WhatsApp. It's WeChat. It's very hard for me to separate those two, apparently. Um, WeChat. 
where everyone can send payment, shop, message each other all on one platform. Successfully launching an everything app would seemingly be one way for Musk to achieve his ambitious $250 million valuation goal. By the way, X.com is owned by, or was initially the, the um, website, the domain for Musk's app. Um, and I don't know if it actually does anything right now. I haven't been to it in forever. Um, but I think it's just a blank page right now and it just has the letter X. Um, but yeah, it used to be a thing. It was the only, um, Z and X were the only two single letter domains that I ever knew, um, owned by somebody and the Z is owned by Nissan. Um, because of the Nissan Z. Oh, right. Okay. Um, anyway, um, I, this is probably the only way that it can be worth $250 billion if it wasn't for the dumpster fire that's running it. Um, so I, I will never, I don't care. The antics that this dude plays is just phenomenal, but people keep on talking about him. You know, he, he was forbidden from covering up the W in Twitter so that it reads titter. And so he painted it white. So when you look up, all you see is titter because the, the, the landlord for that building has rules like an HOA and you can't just, you know, cover up. He covered it up with like a white bag or something like that so that you oh. would just see titter. Now he painted it white. So the dude, I don't know. And child. Similarities well, like the poop emoji thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's, just, it's the uh, same thing. Yeah. And now there's a battle between Substack and Twitter because Substack notes um, and uh, similarities with Twitter, are, it says, are obvious to more than just Musk. The Verge reported that Substack news uh, by joking that Substack is getting tweets. But I hate to break it to you. If your competitive advantage is nothing more than having tweets, it can be cloned by a 15 year old in high school for crying out loud. What really should be the advantage is having as many people on the system using it in frictionless ways, expanding its capabilities and discouraging conflict and wing nuts and and uh racism and hate speech and vitriol and uh, marginalizing lgbtq plus uh, you know be an ally to society but that's not what's going on and the advertisers hate every aspect of it and are running away still and users are only utilizing it for marketing reach until it's no longer a viable vehicle for marketing but when you have billions of dollars and no social connections or able the ability to read a room, apparently <coughs> you can just wait it out until people's memory fades and you go back to Twitter, but I will not go back to Twitter. Um, I was never really on it and never a big fan of it because I'm not always, uh, I'm not really into pithy one line statements because context really matters to me and nobody pays attention to 15 tweets in rapid you know a tweet storm is oh, like one mocking. of 15 or whatever yeah, yeah. Tw tweet storms are mocked they're not respected you know 
The only time that you ever see long form is when somebody is like tweeting out what happened with the Titanic and which is kind of ironic that it's being tweeted real time on Twitter. That seems anyway. a bit odd. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, but I predicted the moment that I heard that he wanted an all encompassing app I knew that the acquisition of Twitter was that was the foundation because he suddenly had a massive amount of people that were engaged and that's all he needed. And, and at this point it's worth, it was worth 45, you know, billion dollars, my God. And then he drives it into the ground, dissolves that business. It no longer exists. So what are the creditors actually going after? If the business doesn't exist. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So when Losses. he stops paying, you know, the bill, I'm, I'm really curious what they go after. Well, Twitter doesn't exist. It was dissolved. But I know from, um, well, I, <laughs> I know that when you dissolve a business's entity, uh, you have to, the principals have to pay off any burden that's there. So what was paid off? Anyway, or do you just think you're going to do smoke and mirrors and you, I, I guess you can lose that value, but what actually, I'm really curious, uh, the behind the scenes machination with this, because I've never, I've never seen that take place, um, at that valuation. Smaller stuff is easy to wrap your head around. Um, but when you have, you know, maybe a thousand creditors sitting there. Who, who gets what, when, and where? Yeah, I'm curious. In fact, I'm actually surprised that that wasn't stopped because of the creditors. But yeah, but we just don't know what the right we don't process was that was actually implemented here. Dorsey tweeted in April 2022 that Musk was the singular solution Dorsey trusted to solve the problem of Twitter being a company rather than a public good saying, I don't believe anyone should own or run Twitter. But I don't think that that then, then what do you believe? I mean, it's yeah. not a public good, but it should be a company, could be a company. And why would Musk owning it be the solution? Other uh, than to, that makes any sense. Other than to bail his ass out. Huh, right. It's the solution for Dorsey, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see what happens. We'll keep on watching it. Um, but I can tell you that I won't be using any app from Musk. Um, at any rate, the next article and the last one for tonight is this one right here. Uh, questionable $2,500 hoodie makes you look like you were plucked out of Minecraft. I dig this, by the way. Um, I don't think that it's questionable in any way. Um, and it actually is, well, it's paying homage to pixelated graphics a la Minecraft, but there were people that beat this person um, hands down to uh, market. So let me, let me just introduce this. It says, move over Microsoft. There's a new company out there peddling clothing, evoking memories of old tech 
low i guess it's pronounced low uh, a spanish fashion company that apparently makes really expensive clothing is paying homage to pixelated graphics a la minecraft with a recently released line of clothing that makes you look like you've been plucked out of a retro game and slapped it onto your 3d body so let's take a look at this stuff and that's what it looks like it's over at ars technica sharon harding is the uh, person that put this together and let me do something really quick um Sorry, I have to um, pull this up because, well, just the way that I do things. Hold on. So um, it's hard for me to show you this without just kind of showing you a Google search because, um, you know, just the way that I have my browser set up. But I'm going to show you this and you're going to dig this. This is, this looks like basically pixelated whatever right and this is a full-on jacket they're holding a 3d purse they're a 3d person this isn't computer generated this this picture is not 3d generated they're wearing this right so right, you scroll even down it looks like it's animated from minecraft yeah so there's another one a shirt right and then pixelated pants looks like the creeper from well um with brown instead of green but um pixelated pants the illagers maybe yeah i don't think they look like that but anyway um so these are really expensive so twenty five hundred dollars for a hoodie thirty four hundred dollars for a purse twenty five hundred dollars for pants seven hundred and ninety dollar denim skirt pretty expensive right oh um, yeah and uh, like the chunky shoes but anyway so pretty cool all said and done right well this was from years ago these are actual purses that are drawn like line that are made to look like line art like a like anime see this is actually three-dimensional but when you're looking at it from the side it looks like a drawing so that's neat so those really started this yeah years and years and years ago i can't even remember how long ago um but obviously this is the new and wildly expensive for what it is because i think that well i don't know about the quality of the products and stuff like that so i can't really speak to that um but they're calling it the pixel collection um and uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll run an experiment and see if I can make these for $45 <laughs> um, because there isn't anything, you know, strategically advantageous that is presented here. This is nothing more than a stylistic choice. Um, and but this one is unique because it's big, it's puffy. I actually can. Um, custom graphics on my own puffy jacket i could do that right now um but it wouldn't look like this unless i do some really elaborate post creation modifications because this looks like it actually has crimping right here it, it's like um like a there's something that's clipped on and sewn down the side i don't remember what that's called 
but this is custom made so that it sits up and it has that sewn on right there so it looks right. like it is um little lines that, that, that pixelated lines it's pretty neat i don't see people wearing this but okay maybe well, it's just i also me. don't see people being able to afford to buy it for 2500 dollars. oh there's a lot of money out there yeah well uh, some people can but the average person out there can't afford it yeah that's for sure but we'll keep an eye on this and see if anything materializes out there in the real world this looks like fashion show at this price um and i'm pretty sure that if you were to search for pixelated clothing you'd be able to find it uh, in a heartbeat it may not be this material it may not be this brand you may not get the bragging rights of being part of the pixel collection from low um at the paris fashion week in october but there you have it pretty cool it's very cool i still can't I think imagine. the hoodie is particularly because it looks like um it's animated the other things that are pixelated are cool but they're not to the same degree as the things that look three-dimensional i guess or maybe not three-dimensional but you can see like where the pixels start and stop on some of the tops yeah so like this i don't like because it just seems ostentatious the this whole flare of the shoulders and stuff like that it doesn't look comfortable maybe absolutely stunningly comfortable the pants those look comfortable so they're just yeah, they brown pants like they have a something. pixel design i'm sorry they look like scrubs or something in terms of comfort for yeah. the pants but this uh, other, this jacket, this pixelated jacket, um, this doesn't look, it looks like you would have to just like lean up against a wall because you wouldn't be able to actually sit and bend and flex. And you and couldn't stuff. move in any direction. You'd yeah. look like a, can't think of what I'm trying to think of, like yeah. a snowman <laughs> or something trying to move around. <laughs> You'd be like a bubble girl, you know, or a bubble boy yes, or whatever yes. you want to, bubble person sitting there stuck inside this shell. If you fall over, you're done. You know, you're like a person in armor and you can barely get up. Anyway, that's it. We are done for today. So I'm going to bring us all the way back to the welcome sign of Ometown, which doesn't exist anymore. I've removed the, the little text that says welcome because it wasn't actually doing a, like a functional thing. Um, and I wanted to streamline the front page. And so it doesn't have anything anymore. All you have to do is mash that little logo right there. It says Ometown and it will refresh and you get a whole bunch of articles. Um, I don't know. Wow. So Elizabeth Holmes isn't in prison yet. I thought she was already. Wow. I ah. haven't been following that. Yeah, me neither. I know that she was convicted, but I didn't think that she was still out running around. Maybe she's still working on her project. Maybe not. Um, anyway, whole bunch of news constantly going. Uh, we had quite a bundle today. I don't keep track of the day-to-day -day aggregation, but um, it's it's always happening. Hmm. MGM Osaka casino pitch likely to be confirmed. So they're gonna do a casino in Osaka. 
I didn't think straight gambling was allowed. I thought, huh, maybe my wires are crossed and I'm not reading that right. I thought that's well, why pachinko is so popular because gam yeah, I was straight gambling, say gambling you know, is very popular, but I don't know if it's legal. Yeah, I don't know. So don't hold me to that. But I figured I'd blurt out that thought and not filter. Maybe I should filter more. At any rate, I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com where all news, all roads flow into hometown, uh, which is a, like a virtual uh, town that exists where all of the lines of energy cross in the wires, where uh, all those electrons meet. We've formed a tiny little world all to our own, which is all the news. Everything is filtered into six main categories, 50 channels, pretty much all of the news um, that's fit to print all of the news, none of the noise. And then we add ours uh, here in the hometown daily news show. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, we're here every day, 9 PM uh, Eastern and uh, never, well, so far hasn't failed. Um, except for uh, Christmas vacation that I had to take. Otherwise, um, I think the AI would have just deleted everything. No, <laughs> got to keep me on my toes, right? That's right. Somebody needs to. That's right. That's why I pay the AI so well. So um, if you like this, then go over to hometown.showbot.tv and vote for the articles. We keep that in mind while we're parsing the news. Uh, there's no guarantee that we'll select similar articles to what is being voted for. Um, but we do keep it in mind just in case, you know, there's a preponderance of those who vote for a particular topic. We, I'm actually looking for a reason to break this into um, one segment each day focusing on all of the articles within a particular category that's six days and then on the seventh day which would probably be sunday it would be a composite day because sunday is a kind of slow news day um and uh, talk about general news and highlights from the previous week and um, uh, a show uh, focusing on business and, and strategic management so we have plans. We're just looking for the audience to uh, uh, give out word of mouth and let everybody know that we're here. Go over to YouTube, like, subscribe, ring the bell. Go over to um, Apple Podcasts or pretty much anywhere that you can catch pods. Um, you will be able to catch Hometown. Um, all of the episodes are available there and you can watch them or listen to them here. We don't have the video podcast uh, viewable via hometown.com. That is reserved for YouTube only because Twitch doesn't allow anybody to keep in perpetuity. You only have 60 days worth of retention for VODs. <sighs> that was all one breath. Just kidding. You want to say bye I AI? I was. <laughs> Um, good night, hometown citizens, and we will see you tomorrow. Remember, 9 o'clock Eastern. It's true. 9 p.m. Eastern. Did you know that the statistics say that we should really be doing this show between 1 and 2 p.m.? Uh, no, but I'm not surprised. Well, we'll see you at 9 p.m. Bye-bye. <laughs>